Come on, let's give God praise today. Thank you so much to our worship team. Let's just, um, before we sit down, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And we just offer our lives afresh. Why don't we just do that right now? Let's just open our hands to the Lord right now. and Say, Father God, we just offer our life to you afresh this morning. We, we're ready to receive the word of God in our lives. And Lord, we, we're, open, we're, we're waiting for you to speak into our heart, Lord. And we're willing and ready to obey your word today. Are you, are you in the house ready to obey his word today? Are you online ready? You know, it's pointless coming to church and singing the songs and then just listening to the word and not really ready for God to speak to you. God will speak to you today. No doubt about it, because his word is going to be preached, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you individually in your life, and then we have to respond to what God is asking us to do. Are you ready for that? So come on then with me, let's pray in this place. Father, we're, we're going to be ready for you to speak into our lives. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to make the truth known unto us today. And we ask you, Lord, from this day, Lord, that the decisions that we make, Lord, we know that there's going to be freedom in our lives, Lord, that we're going to move to different levels in you. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I want you to remember that you prayed that prayer today. Amen. And that you online too, that, you know, the, 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 the reality is that you can come to church every single week, listen to the sermon, say, oh, great word or whatever it is. And actually leave with nothing to put into practice in your life. And that's a shame. Actually, you think it's a waste of a Sunday for you. Because the thing is, we should be coming anticipating that God is going to speak to us today. I mean, we should be like that every day in our devotions. You know, reading the Word of God. Asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And to get to know more about Jesus and more about God. And also to get to know more about ourselves. It, because our, our walk with God is a relationship with him. It's not a religion. You know, if you just come in to check out church, to sing a few songs, to hear the word and just allow your conscience to be clear because you've done, you've checked in with God, you know, that becomes a religion. Nothing changes in your life and uh, we never be able to give honor to God. So we're going to continue with our theme on serving. And so if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Matthew 25. If you haven't got a Bible, there'll be some scriptures online. But let me encourage you, this week, if you're, a, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to get serious about reading your Bible. Please, make a decision. If that's the only decision you make today, is that I'm going to get my life serious about reading the Word of God. So I want you to read Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 this week, so you can get a picture of what I'm trying to communicate with you and help Um, thank you, Matthew 25, reading from verse 14. Let, let's go with the scriptures. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. 
The man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained you two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you was a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I was harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless, worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you, when you read the parables in Matthew 25, um, I want to take you on a journey because, you know, Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. And he's actually speaking to them to a question they asked him in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the signs of your coming and the end of the age? There's a lot of talk about today about Jesus' return and are we ready and look at the signs. Well, 2,000 years ago, this question was asked to Jesus, when will you return again and tell us how it's going to happen? Matthew 24, Matthew 25, Jesus begins to tell them and tells about the signs before his return. He said, many will come and claim that they are the Messiah and many will come false prophets and they will begin to deceive people. There'll be wars, there'll be famines, there'll be earthquakes Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. There'll be persecution and many will fall away because of me and there will be an increase of wickedness. And Jesus began to say these will be the beginning of sign, a sign 
of birth pains to let you know that of my return. Jesus says in Matthew 24, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. There are many people trying to predict the day when Jesus will return, but I want to tell you they're going to be all wrong. There'll be signs that will show us that the return may be a bit sooner than we think. Jesus says, look at what's happening. If you read what Jesus describes, they're all happening right now. Many people around the world are saying that the return of Christ is near, but no one knows the day. So Jesus says, this is what I want you to learn something. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have, let his ha- would have not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you will not expect him. Jesus continues in Matthew 25, 1 to 13, and he goes on and takes them on a journey and talks to them about the parable of the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. The five wise were ready and, and ready for the return of Christ. They were obedient to what God had asked them to do. They were not falling asleep, living a careless life, thinking that, that this, this theology, this, this words from Christ will never really happen. And it's so far away that, you know, I'll probably die before Jesus returns. And then Matthew 25, the parable sandwiched in the middle of what I've read to you, is Jesus talks about the the great judgment of the sheep from the goats, Matthew 25, 31 to 46. He talks about his return and taking his place on the throne and there begins to judge the world, the nations, separating the sheep from the goats to right to the left. It talks about that the, the people on the right, those who are in him, will be brought into his kingdom, into his inheritance, prepared for them before the creation of the world. And those on the left, those who didn't know Jesus, will then be sent to eternal fire, prepared for the devil and the angels. You know, this is really serious stuff. If you are a real born-again believer that you know the Lord, then this is really serious stuff. And then sandwiched between those two parables and the context of Jesus explaining to his disciples that I am going to come back. These are some of the signs, but nobody's going to know the hour, but you must be ready and you must be watchful because I'm going to come at a time that you will not expect or the world expects, and then, then there will be a judgment. But for the church, in the parable that I've just read to you, there will be an accounting for the believer. I hope that you are um, listening today online in here that there will be a day that we will have to stand before God and give an account, an audit of everything that God has invested in us and he will want to return on his investment. That's what this parable is about. It talks about different degrees of abilities given to those people. Some had five according to their ability. Some had two and some had one. Here's the the thing for us. 
with the different abilities and gifts and the responsibilities that God has given to each person, the reward is the same in the, in the sense of well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with some small, you'll be given much, you'll be happy into my kingdom. I want to say to you that God, as last week's message, as God has gifted you with your different personality, your different shape, your experiences and gifted to you and your abilities and they've been given to you by God and he's given you an opportunity to steward what he's given to you. He's given to you your time, he's given to you your talent and he's given to you your treasure. And every one of us in this place have different levels of those things and you will stand before God like me and he will ask you for a return on what he's invested in your life. And so Jesus tells us that's what it's going to be like. And the response from the three different kinds of servants or stewards. There is two facts that you need to leave here knowing for certain is that, that Jesus Christ will return, but you do not know the hour. Secondly, that the people of God and the nations who do not know him will be judged for their lives and the Christian, the believer, will give an account before God of what's been invested to them. 2 Corinthians 5.9 So we make it our goal to please Him. Why? Because we're going to stand before Him one day. It says, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. What I'm preaching to you today is not theory, folks. This is the truth. This will come to our lives one day. No one will escape from this throne and if you know the Lord then thank God for that because we will not be judged for our sins but we will have to give an account of the investment that God has put into our hands for his kingdom and his glory if this does not change the way that you live for him then nothing will So I want to just begin to make some clarity on this parable. When you read this parable, some people can tell you, because that you've not invested well with what's given you, then God's going to throw you into hell. Well, Scripture has to back Scripture up. And we know fully well that we are not saved by works. Would you agree with me? And so therefore, he's talking about what you've done with what he's given to you. It's your works. So salvation cannot come by works. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10 says, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. Okay? It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
So the assurance today for you online and you in here that our salvation, our relationship is established with God because of Christ's work on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. Our works could never reach God's standards. So he had to send his son to actually pay the price for our sins. And it was Christ's work on the cross that gave us access for forgiveness and into a relationship with God which then gives us the Holy Spirit as a seal and inheritance, a promise of the Holy Spirit. Romans 3, verse 22 and 24 says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. If you don't know that your salvation depends on Jesus, his work, then you'll always live under condemnation. So our salvation comes by faith through what Christ has done for us. And so this context is not talking about that if you're a born-again believer and you know the Lord, I'm not talking about you go to church, that you know Jesus through a relationship, through asking him into your life for repenting of your sins and trusting in his work on the cross, then his Holy Spirit will come into your heart and he will make you known to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. Matthew 25, 46 says this, then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. Paul's already told us about the righteousness that is not ours, but it's what's been given to us through Jesus Christ. When Jesus died for us, he took our sins, but then he put his righteousness on us. So we could be stand before God without punishment and without condemnation. That's the transition of the cross, the death and the resurrection. However, when James talks to us, he says, faith without works is dead. What James was not saying was that salvation comes by the result of works. What James tells us and Paul tells us that works follows salvation. That once we are saved by grace, the outworking of that is that now we begin to work for the Lord. You don't walk, work towards your salvation. That's already been paid for by Jesus on the cross. But the evidence that you are saved is now that you want to live for God and to please Him. Jesus said, by the fruit that you will recognize them. There was one time in your life that you didn't want nothing to do with God. But then when you knew him and he came alive in your life, everything changed. That you now wanted to live your life to honor him and serve him. And then you give your life to making sure that you want to contribute to extend the kingdom. And so I wanted to clear that up before we think, okay, you know, if I don't serve God, then I'm going to be actually end up in hell no, your salvation is given through the Lord Jesus Christ 
And it's freely by his grace, but you do have to respond to him. So what does it mean when he says that those who go with a one talent or any talent and do not invest and give God a return on what he's entrusted to us? What he's saying is that you're going to live in regret. How many of you in your life will look back and think, I wish I could have changed that? I wish I would never said that. I wish I could have done that differently. How many of you look back on your life, even as a Christian, and live and thinking, oh, I just, I just wish that I could change that. Even though that we're set free, forgiven, we, we still live with a, I could, if I could go back in time, I would change that. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't do that. On the day when we stand before God, I want to encourage you that I don't want any of us to live with regret. That when we come to present our gifts, talents, and treasure, in a sense, what God's entrusted to us back to him, we have no investment. We've buried what God's given to us. I made excuses because the only thing that's important to me right now is me. I want to help us to wake up to the fact that we will stand before God and we will give an account of the abilities and the entrustment that God has placed in your life as a believer. I'm going to ask you a question. If that day was now, how would you feel? Look at your life quickly right now. All your plans, all your, all your priorities, everything you live for, if this was now, if Jesus returned now, no more time to live, no more adjustments to make, no, no more changes in your decisions. If it was now, would you be excited of what Christ would say to you and me? See, the thing is, as a Christian, you can have your salvation, which God gives you by grace, and you can say, oh, well, you know, that'll do for me. I don't want to live for God. And you think, well, you know, I'm happy now with my salvation. I'll keep coming to church. I'll keep singing a few songs. You know, I'll put a few quid in the offering now and then. And you know, I'm going to be okay. And but the thing is, the Lord knows everybody's heart. And so I can't judge whether where you're going to end up. But I, only you know whether you know the Lord. But listen, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 5 says, for, for no one else can lay any other foundation than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring, to, to bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. I tell you the truth, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be a person that, that acknowledges what Christ did for me on the cross, shed his blood for me, forgive me all my sins, give me a brand new start, and live a life with an investment of no return. I don't want to stand before God and, in, and him say to me, you wicked and lazy servant. I, I, want to, I want to hopefully 
hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. See, it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. It's about what you do, what God's given to you. Matthew 25, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags offered five bags more. It was entrusted. Do you know that everything you own is an entrustment from God? Your breath, everything that you have in your life is being given to you by God and he's given you an, a, an opportunity to be a steward of what you have in your life. You are not the owner. Did you know you're not the owner? That he is your owner and you are now his servant. You are a steward and God has entrusted into our lives his abilities and gifts on the basis of our ability he looks for a return. So as we look to the five, he was rewarded. As we look to the two, he was rewarded. As we look to the person with the one, did you know what one talent was worth in those days? 20 years of wages. So what that man was given was very, very much a lot of stuff. One talent, 20 years of hard work. It was invested into his life. And when the master returned, he would go, come on. I want to see the investment. And the thing is, you know, God's not going to wait for you to produce a notebook with all the things that you've done. God already knows. In fact, Throughout our life, God actually sees every second of our lives on what we do for him. Nothing will be unseen by God. When you're serving the Lord and nobody recognizes you and you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm so worn out. No, no, I get nobody tells me I'm doing well. Nobody gives me any pat on the back. I want to tell you those times will be to the Lord like a fragrant offering. You see, when we stand before God, you're not going to be with your spouse or your children or your mum or your dad or with your best friend. When we stand before God, it'll be just you and him. And do you know what? When Jesus looks at us, it's not going to be the eyes of judgment. It's going to be the eyes of love. And I tell you something, if I've got one prayer, is that once I look into those eyes, I want to have something to give him back according to what he's given to me. So what was the excuse of the one with one talent? Why didn't he invest? Well, the first thing that it tells us is that he said, I was afraid. Do you know that fear can rob you of your potential? Do you know that when God has spoken to many of you about doing things in your life, that fear has stopped you from following through? God has placed a potential in your heart and he spoke to you about doing things for him but the fear of other people, the fear of making mistakes, the fear of looking a fool, 
the fear of what if I get it wrong has stopped you of actually responding in obedience to God. And what that stops is that the investment in your life is quenched. I appeal to you today and online, please do not allow fear to stop you taking steps of faith in response to God's word in your life. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of sound mind. And if you're here today and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I know many times that I remember God's asked me to do something, but I've stepped back instead of forward because of fear. Don't allow the excuse of fear to rob you of God's best. Secondly, I think it could have felt, well, it's unfair because you gave them five talents and you gave him two, but you only gave me one. And the problem sometimes in church life is comparison. We look at somebody else's gift and ability and we think, you know, I'm not like them and I couldn't do what they do. And we look at what we're good at and what God's gifted us and we think, oh, we compare it to them. We couldn't make a difference. And surely God couldn't use this one talented person. And so we bury the potential that God has given into our life because we compare ourselves with other people. And as I said last week, that you are unique and you are actually God's treasured possession and he's invested in you at least one talent. And thirdly, as you read the story, just simply wickedness and laziness. Just meant that they couldn't be bothered, not interested in serving the master. Oh yeah, I'll come to church. But a part of giving any of my time or the investment of my ability, or even my treasure to expand God's kingdom. No, no, not interested. I'm happy with my ticket to heaven, and I'm just going to enjoy life knowing that I'm safe. And then the finally is disobedience. When you read the parable, it says that he hid his talent. Do you know what happens when we live in disobedience? We try to hide from God. What's the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they sinned? They went hiding. And God went after them. Adam, where are you? And what Adam does is play the blame game. It was the woman. And the woman said it was Satan. And you today are here today and I wonder if you're hiding, if you've buried your gift, your talent, and the only excuse you've got, it was that church, or it was that Christian, it was that person. But actually, deep down in your heart, you know that you're living in disobedience. And your talent and the investment in you gets buried. Your potential to produce gets buried. You see, 
let me just be really honest with you today. The main goal of our investments that's given to us by God is not so to make just your life better. It's not to give you a bigger bank account, even though there's nothing wrong with that for your own personal security. Because the Bible says, what good is it if a man or woman gains the whole earth but loses their soul? God has not given all the hours of our life to live just for our own pleasure or our own goals. God has given us our time, our talent and our treasure to honour him. Well done, good and faithful servant. So how do we do that as we come to close? First of all, we offer our lives as a offering to the body of Christ. We look to encourage and to build up and to edify the church. We come to him and we meet together and we offer our abilities to strengthen and to encourage and to make a difference to one another so we can then begin to impact the world. See, God has gifted you, every one of you, with an ability. And your contribution is an investment to the future of God expansion. And secondly, our mission to the world. See, the problem we have sometimes in church is that we just think that we give our time, talent and treasure just on a Sunday. But our life as a steward is 24-7 wherever we are. I don't switch off my stewardship when I leave church this morning. I live as a servant to the Lord in my home, in my workplace, and wherever I find myself, I'm always open to serve Him wherever I am. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It preserves, it stops things going off, it gives flavor, it gives taste to things. And in those days, it was valuable. So here's how we can live out a life of stewardship. That we can start living a life of integrity. That we can live a life of honesty in our workplaces, in our homes. That we can make sure we're not contaminated with greed or deception just to further our kingdom or promotion. And we try and live a life in private like we do in public. In other words, we're, we are the same person in our homes as we are, are when we come to church. And we try and offer our lives to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Therefore, we do not 
try and cut deals outside of church and lie to make advancement in life, but we live to serve the Lord. See, God has placed you in your career and your environment to be salt. And so as we begin to live more like Jesus in those environments, we are building up an investment because it's not all about the activity, but it's also about you, how you live. You see, many people can live a lot better than the church doing good things. And we thank God for all those people and all those charities that are doing so many good works in our broken world. But there's one thing they don't do. And that is they don't do it to glorify God. That's the difference with the church. Our lives, whatever we do, are to glorify Jesus. Let your light shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's a life that includes God in all of your life. To live with the intention to please Him and to live our lives in obedience to the light we have received for whatever the cost. And Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, put it so nicely as I come to a close right now. So hear what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of its immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Folks, our message is good news, and I love the messages where they're all encouraging, and God is for you, and who can be against you, and you're going to make it and we receive eternal life and you know God wants to bless you and you've got a plan for you and all the truth of the word of God to our lives that he's our heavenly father gives God's gift to us and he blesses us and we enjoy all the things that God gives to us but today's message is a reality check for every one of us who know the Lord that we are going to give an account and he is going to come back but you don't know when but it will be soon. And my appeal to you today is, would you live watchful, expectant, readjusting 
everything that you have done right up until this day and say, right, if Jesus was to return, is there an investment in what he's put into my life? So let me finish with a question. Stand with me. I'd love you and you online to ask this question now and this week before the Lord without any condemnation because I've already given you assurance that you have eternal life. I want to ask you a really serious question and I want you to begin to ask yourself the question this week. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to whatever he wants to speak to you about in your life that you'll be willing and asking him to reveal it to you. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Through his word and through his Holy Spirit that he will speak to you this week if you would ask this question. So the question I'm going to ask you today, if you knew that Jesus was going to return next Sunday at 11 o'clock, okay? If you knew that he was coming back next Sunday at 11 o'clock, what changes to your life and decisions would you make this week? And that's what I want you to ask the Lord. I want you to get before God whatever you're doing this week and I'm going to say, Lord, if, if, if there's anything that I need to adjust, in order on that day, I will have an investment for you. What things do I need to change? What things do I need to start doing? That's all I'm asking you to do this week. So why don't you just lift your hands with me? And the reason why I took quite a long time to study this passage is because the reality for me is this. My desire this morning for you is that you on that day will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the only reason I wanted to really get this message right today. I don't want you to live an aimless life with what God's entrusted to you and have no return. And so, Father, we come to you today, every one of us, Everyone's included in this prayer, even myself. And we ask you, Lord, we invite you into our hearts afresh to speak to us this week. That if we need to make some, in fact, some of you already know what things you need to change. You didn't even need to wait. Lord, my prayer is for your children today, your people online and in here, that they, Lord, would live the rest of their days 
like it was the last. That we will not hold back anything from you. Our time, our abilities and our treasure. We open up our hearts and the life and we say whatever you want from us, Lord, we'll offer to you in sacrifice and worship. Use me afresh from this moment. And we ask it in Jesus' name.